Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of NCC Audio. And so today we're, we are going to continue this series about talking to other audio engineers and we're going to learn how and why they chose this path and career to become an audio engineer and how on earth do they make a living doing that. And this week we are talking with talented musician and audio engineer Halel Kapnik who currently resides in Monty, New York. And things are pretty crazy around here where I'm at, man, with the whole coronavirus thing. How's it going up there with you? It's definitely like uh, a couple friends. Uh, a couple friends said that, like, when they look outside, it looks like The Walking Dead. You know. <laughs> um, but uh, other than that, you know, definitely, definitely holding on. You know, it's a little crazy with all the schools closed, so like all the kids are home, and it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, this is like one of those times. Like usually, I'm very thankful that I have like a like a, a basement like home studio so that I can like do my thing, and my wife can never say that like I'm coming home too late because I'm always home. Um, but in this case, like this is this is one like I wish that I didn't have uh, you know a basement studio because like everyone's home, it's just pandemonium. But you know we're you know ho- hopefully it'll be over soon, and uh, for the time being, we're just trying to find ways to make it work. Yeah. Do you have any kids? I do actually. Yeah, I have. Uh, goodness gracious, I have four kids. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I have two kids as well. I have a three-year-old and a eleven-month-old. And so my um, my home office is actually in our living room, which is also their playroom slash the oh, dining room time. slash kitchen. And so it's been pretty intense. I'm trying to do work all day, and then like the little ones run up, and I'm like, "Hey, how's it going?" And they're like, and I'm like, "All right, I need to get back to work." <laughs> it's fun. Alrighty, so Hillel, we're talking about your audio engineering career, right? Absolutely. Most audio engineers I know start off as musicians. So how did you get into audio engineering? That's a great question. Okay, so um, it all probably starts, I got, I got my first guitar like right before, uh, right before high school. And then I spent pretty much all of high school just playing guitar <laughs> instead of, you know, going to class and, you know, doing all that stuff. Um, and uh, it got to a point where I was actually starting to book some live gigs, which was awesome, and uh, getting a chance to play with like some other musicians uh, in the school and even outside of the school. Um, and then I ended up in a college in Rhode Island uh, for three years. Um, and over there, I pretty much did the same thing. Um, Rhode Island is a bit of like a is is a little bit of like a college town because they've got like Brown over there, and you know. A couple other, uh, a couple other of the colleges. Um, so it was a, it was a pretty good chance to like network, um, but it's also like Rhode Island, you know, like, like uh, I mean, I grew up, like I grew up in Connecticut, so like I live in New York now, but like, like I'm, you know, what they would call like an out of towner, you know, like typically I've found, you know, you know, unless you go to like you know Nashville, LA, like New York, maybe even some parts of New Jersey, like that's kind of the spot to be for a yeah. lot of the stuff that's going on, at least around here anyway. Um, and so, uh, like, it was nice, um, and I definitely, you know, got the chance to hook up with some really cool musicians who I've actually worked with since, um, to the point where, like, I was working on an album uh, now already, it's like a year or two ago, and I actually made the drive down to Rhode Island, like, just to set up a studio in the house of one of the musicians I'd met there, because this guy's like, he's like a man, He's been, this guy's been playing mandolin <laughs> for, like, 40 years or something like that, and he's one of these like guys who's he's unbelievable and nobody's ever really like discovered him yeah. i guess except for me and so like i took advantage of that like i used him on a whole bunch of stuff um but uh like it's meant you know like that i that i even get the chance to go back every once in a while um 
after uh, after Rhode Island, I came uh, to New York to to actually go to college, um, to like you know to or to continue college, I guess. <laughs> and um, what'd you get your degree in? So funny enough, I never finished college. Ah, uh, that's okay. No worries. Like, oh yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm actually really. Someone once asked me like, "What's your biggest regret?" And I'm like, "My biggest regret is that I didn't leave sooner." Yeah, uh, yeah, it's so expensive. You know, like, it was one of those things where, like, at the time, I was just going for a degree in, like, business or something, like, very generic like that. And um, I, I ended up, thank God, like, I'm, I'm you know, m- making more of a living than I honestly would have if I did finish college and go, you know, the route that I assumed I was going to go. Um, so it actually worked out really nicely. Oh, my, yeah, that's awesome. And so going from your guitar playing, right? And then, but how did you get into like the recording aspect, the audio aspect behind all that? Right. So, so it actually started when I was in uh, Rhode Island. Um, I, uh, I went with a friend of mine who was a flute player. We went to like one of these guitar centers or Sam Ash or one of these, you know, one of these stores. And like, all, although all these stores are great, um, they tend to be commission based. And um, so like, I kind of caught the salesman, like trying to sell my friend, like a whole bunch of stuff he didn't need. And the guy, um, the guy like kind of knew he was caught, like he had that look. And so he ended up selling me (laughs) like, like, um, like, I guess to, I guess this was like the apology, you know, um, he ended up selling me a, um, a Tascam digital recorder. It was like the, I think it was called like the DP01 or something like that. It had a CD burner in it. Um, and it was, uh, it was like one of these like Porta studio kind of things, um, he sold it to me for like, I think it was like at the time it was going for like six, 700 bucks. He sold to me for like a hundred dollars. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. So that's pretty good. And so then you started learning about audio equipment at that point then. Yeah. So I just started messing around with it. Like, to be honest, I don't think I ever got one good thing to come out of that. <laughs> like it was just like learning the controls and like, like it took me like three days to figure out that you had to arm a track for recording instead of just pressing the record button, you know? Yeah. Um, and then just playing around with all the different features on there. Eventually it got to a point where like, I definitely played around with it and I probably got more than my money's worth, mm-hmm. you know, especially considering what I paid for it. Um, but, uh, I definitely got my money's worth just in terms of like learning some of the lingo associated with it. Yeah. And then, uh, a friend of mine who, uh, who was actually in New York at the time, he was working as like a, an apprentice to, uh, one of the, to like a big producer over here who was doing a lot of concerts and a lot of a lot of different projects. Um, so he himself was also kind of knowledgeable with this stuff because he had been apprenticing for this guy for so long. He called me up and he's like, yeah, you got to buy Pro Tools. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which is probably like, at the time it was the best and like now it's like the worst, <laughs> you know, thing that somebody could have recommended to me. Which like, don't get me wrong, I still love Pro Tools, but I just wish it would be like, you know, the old days Pro Tools where you, like you would call DigiDesign and they would actually help you with your problems. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. instead of like, you know, very corporate, you know, like, uh, yeah, no, thanks. We're good. Yeah. It's like, uh, do you have some money to give us? Then we'll go. Yeah, ahead exactly. And help you out. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, at the time he had me get uh, I think it was an Mbox two with Pro Tools. It was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 600 bucks. I think I used like all the money I had made that summer working at like one of these summer camps um, to, to pay for like that and a laptop. And that's when I first, uh, like really started to, to get into it. Although granted it, it did take a little bit longer. The laptop I had, had, um, uh, oh, it was, I guess it was windows Vista, which was a disaster. 
which like vi- Windows Vista was like, I mean, I'm on Mac now, so like I'm I'm not even as familiar with Windows as I used to be. Um, but Windows Vista was like a train wreck when it came to like audio people. And so like most guys really just downgraded to XP. Um, and once seven came out, it was a game changer. Like that was, you know, that was like the new way to, you know, like everything started working again, but it took me like half a year just to like get things working normally because I was on windows Vista. Um, and, uh, eventually once that all got sorted out, like all the computer problems went away and I was able to like work normally, like then I jumped in like full force. So how did you learn how to set up all this audio equipment to your computer and make it all work in the first place? So a lot of it was calling a lot of people who I probably annoyed a lot. <laughs> Sometimes you have to do that in order to get <laughs> the things you need, you know? Yeah. Like I remember one specific guy, um, that I called and, um, like it was a guy who was, who was pretty local to me. And he told me that, um, he told me that like, he, he wasn't so knowledgeable with it, but that, um, but he's like, oh, there's this guy who's like helped me. So, um, so like give him a call. And it turns out this guy, I'm trying to remember who he was now. I remember his name, but I don't recall who he had worked with. He was, it turned out he was like some huge guy in like the music industry at the time, um, who like I I I honestly didn't recognize his name because he was like a behind the scenes kind of guy. But meanwhile, like I'm this little kid who's like calling him and being like, "Can you help me with my computer?" <laughs> and, and and like I probably should have been embarrassed, yeah. but I wasn't. And um, it, it was really just a lot of trial and error to get everything working the way it did. Like I mean, luckily, like I've always had a pretty good head for computers, mm-hmm. which like um, eventually led to me actually working as like an IT guy without any like real proper training. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like my, like it, but which by the way, this, this is like a huge benefit when it comes to doing audio stuff. Cause I know a lot of guys that are very musically talented, but when it comes to the tech side of things, they're very lost, you know, even, even if they do know the lingo, but meaning, you know, some, for some reason their computer isn't starting or it's crashing all the time or the program isn't opening, uh, like 99% of that is, is either searching on Google or or uh, trial and error. Yeah, like on Pro Tools, you got to make sure you have the right hardware uh, connected to it and make sure you have the right amount of RAM going or else things are going to start crashing. Right. Why is there yeah, a delay when I play my MIDI? Well, you got to go there and switch your um, the HW. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Um, and the truth is sometimes there really are just things that aren't that great, meaning like, I mean, with Pro Tools, I could tell you that it's, it's as crazy as it sounds. You know, like I use Pro Tools and Logic, Um, so like logic, when you quantize something, like, especially if you're working on like electronic music or something like that, like, it's just immediate, it just works. And in pro tools, it does not always just work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's one of those crazy things that like quantizes like this, you know, from, from a computer programming perspective, I don't know how simple it is, but comparably to all the other programs, quantize is very simple, press the button and it works. And um, Pro Tools, for some reason, still has not gotten that to 100% yet. Yeah, I've been working with a lot of different virtual instruments on Pro Tools. With the MIDI aspect, you have to select all of them, and then you have to hit quantize, and then you have to select the amount of quantize, and then you hit OK. Like, there's a lot of little different steps for it, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And even then, like, um, I found, funny enough, it's it's usually, like, MIDI-related stuff. Um, But I found, like, um, you know, if I'm playing, like, a, like, piano in through like a MIDI keyboard, 
if I'm using a sustain pedal mm-hmm. and I'm I'm trying to like add to the track as it goes, like just sort of punch in, a lot of times the sustain won't catch. And then either it'll be on the whole time or off the whole time. <laughs> and there is not as like I can sit with a vocal for three hours and edit every every note and pitch and everything. And like for some reason that doesn't drive me crazy. Yeah. But when I have to go in and manually automate <laughs> sustain on a piano track, that's probably the worst thing ever. Okay, that's funny. So you've learned all your equipment, and so you start recording people for fun. Is that how it's going at this point, after you learn all about how to use all your equipment? So Yeah, that was definitely a big part of it. Um, I was definitely working on my own music also, okay. which, which yeah. was definitely one of the things that really kept me moving. Um, because it's really hard to like start pulling in clients when they're like, oh, okay, you, you run like a studio. So like, can I hear something? And you're like, uh, not really. <laughs> you know? like, that, that's not really the greatest sales pitch ever. So a lot of it was just working on my own stuff okay, yeah. and yeah, just working on like, you know, cute little side projects. Like I was lucky to be in college with a guy, um, who, uh, who was, you know, trying to put himself out there as a singer. Um, so we ended up becoming friends and so I ended up really working on a lot of stuff for him just like as, you know, for fun, he came up with a composition. So we did a rough recording and these were the days where like, I mean, when I first started, just like everybody else, there was too much reverb, you know? (laughs) And, uh, you know, like it's, uh, it was, it was, uh, like every so often I still go back to like those old recordings just because like, it's a great reminder. I think this is like for everyone in audio, like it's, and the truth is probably in every business, but for someone to be able to go back to the stuff they used to do and just sort of remind themselves, especially when you're going through like that whole imposter syndrome situation Mm -hmm. where it's like, I don't know if I'm really cut out for this, you know, and you listen to something you used to do compared to what you do now. And it's like, oh, maybe I am cut out for this. (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. So I was in college about what year is it now? It's 2020 and I graduated 2013. Wow. What the heck? Where has the time gone? (laughs) Right. I was gathering together my portfolio again. I was like putting on my website and I was like, what? This was seven years ago. And then I was just thinking about how far I have come since then in like the quality. And I was like, well, I don't know if I want to put (laughs) this college work now on my website, (laughs) even though I thought it was like amazing then. And now I listen back to it. I'm like, oh, I I could use a little bit of work. Yeah. It's like, maybe we'll use that as the before, (laughs) you know, that's, that's a good idea. All right, and now moving forward, we have, so you've been doing a lot of little projects, like gaining all your skills. At what point did you say, all right, I want to start making money from this? Yeah, so at, I mean, at the time I was getting, you know, little projects here and there, um, you know, some definitely bigger than others. Um, one thing that I did find is that it is, um, it's, it's um, like a lot, a lot of us audio people, mm-hmm. and I think really creative, uh, you know, creative people in general or people that work in, in media, which are, you know, typically creative, creative-ish people, you know, usually anyway, where we're all just kind of like a little introverted, even if we know how to have fun with like a bigger group of people. But like, it takes a lot to really come out of your comfort zone and be like, hey, would, would you hire me? Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know? Yep, yep, yep. And so... Um, like I actually had a couple of like this is even before like taking uh you know taking that course where like I I really like you know built myself up like mentally to like break out of my shell a little bit and just start messaging people that were involved in like projects that I was really impressed with just to be like hey uh you know next time you need another guy 
you know, yeah. feel free to give me a call. And even even on like the smallest end of things, like um, there was a, there were a couple albums that came out where they needed to put together like sort of like a, an in-house choir for the track. And where I was able to basically get myself a spot just as a member of that choir, which is not like a major credit or anything. Like maybe I made it into like the CD booklet if I was lucky, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was one of those things where like it was just one step like closer. Like it's, um, you know, it's one of those things where like, um, like I, 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 I've told this to a lot of guys who like uh, every so often I'll get calls from like, you know, guys that are even younger than me that are like looking for advice, mm. which like, I don't know why they decided like I'm the guy who can give advice, but that's a different, you know, that's a, that's a question for a different time. But like what I, what I'll always tell them, especially for the live gig stuff is if you go to any sort of live, you know, any sort of venue that has live music or any sort of, you know, you show up at a wedding and there's one of these like really awesome wedding bands there or something like that. The, the least you can do to actually help yourself is to go over and actually introduce yourself to the people yeah. there, even if it's just to say hi and walk away. Yeah. Because every time you see them and you reintroduce yourself, eventually, you know, like, um, uh, I mean, like Brian and, and Chris have spoken about this many times, the concept of staying top of yep. mind. Like, that's really what it is. And so after a couple times of being called in to be, like, part of a choir for different projects where, like, I wasn't even pressing pressing any buttons. Like, I was coming in, helping them maybe work out some of the choir parts and then literally just singing for three hours and leaving yeah. and most of the time not even getting paid for it, you know, just, just you know, hustling. Um, eventually, people start, like, they hear your name and they're like... Oh, yeah, right. I think I saw him. You know, he was on something or other, you know, and you also just start to build up your credit list, meaning as much as you never want to be the guy that like the only thing they do is like name drop, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, which is like, don't get me wrong. That's a marketing tactic. But if you only name drop and that's the only thing you have to, you know, to like I, I was just having this conversation with a couple engineers recently where they were discussing with me that they were deciding between two uh, mixing engineers mm-hmm. and they're like, well, one of them has a Grammy. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, d- don't get me wrong. Like, that's no disrespect to that guy. And it could be he's the right choice. But the question is, what is his talent? Yeah. You know, telling me that you're going to dump the other guy because this guy has a Grammy and then it turns out that the mix he does is not as great. That's a huge problem because the only reason you picked him was because the word Grammy was there, which like, don't get me like, I don't want to come across as like bitter. Like, I don't have a Grammy. You know what I mean? But but uh, but like, I, you know. I, I think that's like, you know, definitely an important thing, you know, to, when, you know, to keep in mind when people are making decisions about stuff like that. Um, but uh, going back to, to what I was saying before, as much as you don't want to be the person who only name drops, but most of the time when somebody finds out you work in audio, they're going to say, well, who have you worked with? Yeah. And if you don't have some sort of something, you know, a little something to be able to like, you know, reel them in the tiniest bit, you know, where you're not even bragging, you're just trying to, like, get your foot in the door, um, it's really hard to do it without something like yeah. that. Yeah. So for me, it was uh, it was really, like, reaching out to people and just saying, like, you know, can I get involved? And it started with doing little, you know, little choir pieces, mm-hmm. um, like I mentioned, but then it started to, like, really turn into other stuff where, you know, they would, like, the... You know, the people who worked on these other uh, on these other projects, they would actually come into my studio and see what I could do. And then, you know, assuming, you know, you hopefully know what you're doing to be able to make a sale like that shouldn't be too difficult. You know, once you actually have them there. Yeah. Did you do a lot of free work before you started um, getting some paid work or did you start off just doing, 
you know, as much paid work as possible. So I definitely did do a fair amount of free work. Um, even when it came to paid work, like, like a lot of people, I was one of those people who took a very, very long time to like raise my rates. Like even once I really was like, like worth it, um, to the point where like, uh, I was working on an album, uh, probably, uh, two years ago or something like that. And I had another, uh, I had a friend of mine who's, uh, also like an, he's an amazing engineer. I had him come in to just sort of be like a second set of ears on the project. And literally, like I literally just paid him some money to like sit next to me mm-hmm. and just like, we just worked on it together. Like that way I could have like another head in it. It was one of these projects that had gone for a really long time. And like, you know, it was like, it gets to a point where like, you're not even so sure what you're hearing anymore. Yeah. yeah I know so like mean. having somebody there as like, you know, the decision maker, you know, like it was a big help. And um, we were just sort of, you know, just sort of, um, you know, just schmoozing while we were, you know, while we were working. And at a certain point, he turns to me and he's like, what are you charging per hour? And I told him and he's like, yeah, no, no, you no, that's too low. You can't do that. <laughs> he's like, and like that night, my price, my prices went up like another twenty five dollars per hour to like what I was charging. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you got to do it right now. He's like, you can't do this. It's ridiculous. Like, you know, at a certain point, you sort of like devalue yourself. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right word, but like, but like where you're just at a certain point, like it's, you're putting out stuff that sounds awesome, but you're charging as if like you're a dude on Fiverr, like that's not okay. Yeah. You know, like it just doesn't equal out. Yeah. It's really hard starting off as an audio engineer. So my full-time job is a full-time audio engineer for a radio program. And then I needed to make some additional income, you know? And so then I started using all these audio skills I had and I started to do some, off-location recording, so I'd bring my computer, my interface, my microphones, and I would record, like, Right, so I saw you're doing a lot of, uh, I saw you're doing a lot of podcasts also. Yeah, so, but I originally started doing that, and I was trying to do mixing, mastering, I didn't even get into really podcasting yet, and then I was just always afraid to charge. I was always embarrassed to charge, like, like, what I'm worth. I'm like, well, maybe they don't think I'm worth that. So it's, for audio engineers starting off, like, you have to, after you own your craft, like be confident, like charge what you're worth, like look at the right. rates around you and just don't let people walk over you. I can, that's usually like a, a problem for like beginning audio engineers who are trying to get out there in the world. I've noticed. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that, that you do have to, like, there's a lot of pushing that goes with it. Like I would never tell anyone that it's an easy way mm-hmm you know, to make a living. But what I would say is that once you sort of get over the hump where like people actually kind of know who you are and where you're actually getting like, like when, I guess a good way to say it is when people are coming to you instead of you having to go to them. So then that's kind of the, what's very freeing about that is not just that you have a fair amount, you know, hopefully a fair amount of work coming in, but it's also that you get to a point when you get to a point that you can say no to, to projects mm. that is like the most freeing thing ever because like I have you know just like everybody else I've had my fair share of just absolutely horrible train wreck projects where like you really didn't want to take it and the person you were working with you know god bless them I'm sure they're like you know a wonderful person deep down somewhere <laughs> but but at that point they weren't and <laughs> you know and um and you're just trying to get through the session like you're just just like I've I've absolutely had these sessions where like you have the like the guy's literally sitting right next to you 
and you don't even know what to do with yourself. Mm. Like you're working, but like on autopilot a little bit. And and it's one of those things where you want to give them the best possible product, but it's almost like they're not letting you because, because either they're too intense or too demanding or, you know, like there's a lot of people, unfortunately, who come to, you know, to audio engineers, and I'm sure they do this to photo video people also, because um, I, I think it's, you know, one of these like creatives kind of things where um, they come to you and they have, like, I have nothing wrong with a client coming and, and having their own ideas for a track. And I actually think that's awesome mm -hmm. because it, it actually, you know, or at least some sort of reference idea, because then at least you have something to start off with. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas sometimes you have, like, when you have someone who has no idea what they want, then you either end up with someone who's like, wow, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard, or like, oh, well, I didn't think it would be like this. And it's like, well, well I asked you what you did want it to be like, <laughs> And you didn't tell me, so like you know, yeah. Um, but um, but you definitely there are definitely people out there who come with like almost a too specific idea of what they want, and then it's like, well, then why would you bring this to me? Meaning, typically when someone brings something to me, it's because I you know add my own you know craziness into mm -hmm. a track because I would like I'll think of something that he wouldn't have thought of, and he might think of something that I wouldn't have yeah. thought of, but you're telling me to to basically do just what you thought of like that's actually very difficult for somebody who's got their own creative you know their own creative ideas and their own creative input yeah like that's a very hard way to work it's, that's one of the most difficult things as an audio engineer you have to be subjective and objective at the same time you have to let the people know that objectively does not sound good but then they come back they can come back to you and say well i think it sounds good and so it's like how do you like battle between the you know, the subjective ideas and the ob objective ideas. Yeah. So like, I just had this recently where I'm, I'm working on a track with someone and, um, the, like the problem in this case is that it's actually two artists that are doing the track together. So usually if it's more than one artist, like I'll come to them at a certain point and just be like, okay, you need to elect like a president, mm -hmm. you know, like someone's got to be the one who makes the, you know, the mix critiques or the mix notes. You know, if I'm getting different notes from both of you and neither of them make sense with each other, you know, then this is a huge problem. Yeah. So, like, I was working on this track for them, and it's a very, you know, acoustic, laid-back, kind of kind of ballady, you know, kind of track. And then one of them came back to me, and he's like, well, like, you're going to add in, like, some really big fills, right? And it's going to be massive. And, like, you know, is there going to be a drop? And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, are we talking about the same song here? And And, like, when I spoke to the second guy, and I just casually mentioned, you know, like, what I had heard from like guy number one, he's like, yeah, I don't even know what he's talking about. Like that's crazy. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's also a difficult thing about being an audio engineer. We are having to manage conflict between the musicians all the time. All right, so now we're moving forward. You are able to record really well, and you're doing having some great projects come in, but you're also having another full time job doing your IT work, right? Yes. So funny enough, before I was an IT guy, this is like for all those guys that that are, you know, hopefully going to hear this, that uh, I mean, hopefully this isn't their story. But just in case it is like those guys that are going to hear this that are like stuck in dead end jobs and just kind of doing music on the side and like praying that one day maybe that'll change. So before I was doing IT work, which like I guess you could say IT work is like semi respectable work, mm -hmm. you know, that's still like professional ish. <laughs> You know, like you don't go to you don't go to work in like a T-shirt, you know, like it's still, yeah. <laughs> you know, at least in the corporate world anyway. Right. Um, because in like the audio engineer world, even like wearing a shirt to work is a big deal, yeah. you know, 
<laughs> you know, like that's that's like a big day, you know, when you when you put on a shirt. But um, but uh, I I was working for a um a uh, what what exactly they were like it was like a medical supply company, but they also owned an ambulance company and they owned a couple like nursing homes, and um, I was in charge of their medical billing, which like. For all those people that have edited vocals for six hours and thought that was boring work, I guarantee you it is not as boring as medical billing. It is it is one of it's the most mind numbing, like you don't even know what you're doing kind of work. Oh my gosh. Um and uh I did that for a long time until one day the owners of the company woke up and decided that the person that they had asked to train me um in the medical billing hadn't done that great a job. Mm. And I'm like, oh, well, that's not my fault, right? Like, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, like, I'm doing exactly what they told me. And they're like, yeah, but we decided it would just be easier um, to give somebody else that job and, like, we'll give you something else. And I'm like, uh, okay, what's it going to be? And they're like, well, um, they're like, and this is really exciting. You're going to be scanning papers for eight hours a day. Oh, my gosh. And so they brought up boxes of papers that hadn't been scanned for, like, six years. And they're like, they just dropped it on my desk and they're like, yeah, this is what you do now. What? And you're like, how are my gifts and talents being used here? Just doing the same repetition tasks for eight hours a day. It was, it was so like, like if I thought medical billing was bad, this was probably, I don't like, it, it sounds really dramatic of me to say that this was like the, one of the lowest points in my life. But the truth is it probably yeah. was like, I was newly married yeah. Um, I, I had either, I either had a kid on the way or had just had a kid and like, I wanted to also, you know, be able to support my yep. family. I wanted to be, you know, a present husband and a present father and like actually be like, you know, like involved, you know? And, um, and like, I wanted to, you know, like it's one of those things where like, you know, there's, there's like the, the big, you know, philosophical question is if somebody would, would hand you, you know, a thousand dollars a day and all you would do all day is just push a button and you know that that button's not connected to anything, then would you take mm -hmm. it? And a lot of people would say yes right away. But if you really think about it, you know, a day goes by, a week goes by, like you're still making that money. A month goes by, a couple months, eventually you start to lose your yeah. mind because there's nothing productive in it. You know, and, and not only that, but you know, there's nothing productive in it, Yeah. you know? So, so that it, it really became very difficult. Like, um, it, it was to the point where like, I would literally come home from work. So just depressed and so upset and just literally just like, like, just, just like lose myself. Like, what am I doing here? This makes no sense. But I also knew that like, it was really irresponsible of me, like, you know, newly married with, you know, it was either one, it was either my, it was either I had a kid and the second kid was on the way or it was the first kid was on the way. Like, yeah. I don't even remember this, like, you know, thank God this is a really long time ago now. <laughs> um, and, um, like I knew it was really irresponsible of me to just sort of leave my job and just, you know, uh, and, and just, you know, just walk out just because it was, you know, this mind numbing stuff. Were you, okay, so this job, this it sounds this horrible, mind-numbing job, and at some point you you wanted to find another full-time job, or were you thinking, well, maybe I could make this audio full-time? So at the time, at the time, I was still kind of nervous about really taking the audio full-time. Like, I was booking gigs here and there, um, and I was booking, you know, recording sessions here and there, but it just, like, it wasn't enough yet. You know, like I really like, and I'm sure a lot of people go through this struggle, you know, even more so for, for, you know, guys that are married and guys that have like a, you know, you know, guys, um, or girls, you know, for that matter, who have a family to support, you know, where like, um, 
where like you just, you know, you want to make sure that you're going to be at least somewhat settled. Yep. yep. You have to be responsible as a parent. You got to make sure you're, you know, you're able to provide for your family. A hundred percent. Um, so it did take a while, but in the meantime, I got a job working for a different company. Um, and for them, I was really doing something that was also kind of like data entry ish, mm -hmm. but it was slightly more, I don't want to say interesting cause it wasn't interesting at all, but it was slightly more active. Like there was a little bit more like searching around for different <laughs> things, which don't get me wrong. It wasn't great. But, um, as I was there, I started to like, there was actually, um, you know, one or two, they had a couple different managers in this, in this company. There was like, there was um, one or two of the managers that really like noticed that I had like a head for doing, um, you know, doing like technologically creative thinking, you know, when they were trying to solve a problem and I kind of overheard that something was wrong and I found out what it was, I'd be like, oh, well, why don't you just do this? And it like, and right away they were like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And um, it turned out that their IT guy was leaving. And, and they just came to me and they said, uh, you know, do you want to be the new IT guy? And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, okay, let's, let's do that. Sounds, you know, sounds like fun. I'm like, by the way, like that comes with a raise, right? Cause you know, I was, I was making like a data entry, uh, level salary. And, and, uh, when I started, they're like, yeah, yeah, like, we're going to give you a raise. We just need to have like a talk with the managers and just double check everything. And like an idiot, I'm like, oh, okay. Just, you know, let me know. <laughs> And then like a couple months later, <laughs> I, I went into the manager and I'm like, uh, where's, where's that raise? Mm -hmm. You know, like what, what happened? And he's like, oh, right, right. Yeah. We saw, we have to have a talk with the managers. And I'm like, are you guys free? Like you guys are kidding me. Right. So at the time I still was, you know, to be really blunt, like I still like, and you know, I don't think it's just me. I think a lot of people are like this. Like I was still very nervous to just walk out, yeah. you know, yeah. like it was still, I was still building up the business and. Um, at the time I, this is all like, you know, um, you know, like it's like one of these, you know, one of these crazy stories where I came across a podcast online, yeah. um, which like, you never know, like your podcast might end up doing the same <laughs> thing for other people that this one did for me. And, um, this podcast was for entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and I just started to listen to it like by the way. And, um, and I was thinking like, this guy has got a good head on him. Like, he's really cool. Uh, the truth is, I don't even know if he's still putting out the podcast anymore because I know he got busy with, like, another business because, you know, entrepreneur. And <laughs> and um, and um, I ended up – so uh, the guy who ran the podcast, he actually lives in uh, Israel. Okay, yeah. And um, my uh, my in-laws actually live in, li live in uh, Israel as well. Uh -huh. So at one point, my wife and I were going to visit them like on, on like a little vacation. And I actually sent this guy a message and I'm like, listen, like, you know, I, I'm not usually in your country. So, <laughs> you know, now that I'm going to be in your country, um, do you think there's any chance like we could meet up? Yeah. And he was the coolest guy. He's like, yeah, no problem. Like, absolutely. Wow. And um, we actually ended up having, like, I, I met him in his house for like, like even that, like it wasn't like in his office. It wasn't like a super official thing. It was like he sat me down at his dining room table and took out, took out like some cookies and coffee, you know, like right. it was a very laid back, you know, um, you know, conversation. And the conversation was basically centered around like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, what is happening here? Like, I just I I really just at the time I needed somebody to sort of set me straight. And um and he basically like he he asked me a lot of questions, you know, in terms of how much I was actually making from the from you know the the music and audio related stuff, from the live stuff, from the studio stuff, and um, this was like one thing he told me, which was which was like, 
you know, I guess it's always like the simplest things that are really like the biggest game changers. Mm-hmm. He said to me, he said, if you read the book, um, The Art of the Deal from, uh, you know, Donald Trump, which back then he wasn't president, you know, like this, is, this was like pre-president <laughs> days. He's like, if you read that book, he's like, you'll see that one of the points that he, that he mentions is that you can't really have a negotiation if you're not willing to walk away. Mm, mm-hmm. Because that's not a negotiation. If you go in there and you ask them for more money and they say no and you keep working there, mm-hmm. then you didn't negotiate with them. You asked, they said no, and that was it. Yeah. Like you just you just kept going. He said so and 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 he said like even even like a like a stronger point was that you've already asked them, you know, for, you know, more and more about the raise and it it hasn't been happening. He said what you have to basically do do is go in there and give your two week notice. Like that's what you have to do. Um, and this was obviously after he looked through like the numbers that yeah. I had in terms of the income that was yeah. coming in from the studio and stuff. And the truth is, it's it is a very hard thing to judge because at the end of the day, you only have you know when you're working a, a day job, you only have so many hours to devote to you know live gigs at you know yeah. during the evenings or uh, or studio work during the evenings. And so like. You, you know, on one end, you want to say like, oh, OK, so multiply, you know, that by eight hours a day. But then the next question is, well, how am I going to bring in enough people to keep me busy for, you know, eight hours a day or, you know, whatever the number needs yeah. to be, you know? So it, it is a hard thing to judge. But at the time, he took a look through the numbers and he said, OK, you got to give your two week notice. Oh, my gosh. So when I came back to the office, I basically walked into the manager's office and I said, uh, you know, I just wanted to let you know I'm giving my two week notice. So he said, well, uh. So he said to me, like, well, why, why are you why are you leaving? And I said, well, because it's this is not enough money realistically for me to be, you know, for me to be working for. So it, this is always like the funny part. He's, he's like, well, what would make you stay? I'm like, uh, more money. <laughs> I'm like, what? More what, money. Like, did, what do you think? Yeah, like, what What else am I, I like, <laughs> like, I don't want the corner office. I just want a little yeah. more money. That's it. Like. And, um, and he said to me, he said, uh, he said basically the same thing he had been saying till then. And he's like, oh, okay, I have to have a, you know, discussion with the other managers and see what we can do. And I said, no problem, but you have two weeks to have that meeting. Perfect. And if you don't have that meeting, then it's game over. And, um, I walked out, yeah. you know, after that, uh, you know, a- after those two weeks and, uh, you know, at the time I, you know, w- once I was like on my own, so then I started really hustling. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So they never gave you the raise. You walked out after two weeks. They never gave Yeah. They, they, yeah. I walked out of there, which was awesome. Like greatest feeling ever. And, um, literally like a couple days uh-huh. later, I was with a, a friend of mine who had, who had hired me for a number of projects in the past and he had come to work on something. And then afterwards we were just sort of hanging out outside my house and, um, and he started to get, like, very nervous for me. Mm. And he's like, are you sure? Like, like he had heard this whole story. Like, we had kind of become friends. And then afterwards, it started working on music together. So, I, like, I told him this whole story. And um, he was like, are, are you sure, like, you're going to be okay? You're going to be able to support your family? And at the time, like, I had just left my job. Like, I was feeling super cocky. I'm like, yeah, don't worry. It's all, like, I got this. It's going to be awesome. And then literally 20 minutes later, I got a call from a guy who I who I knew from like, uh, you know, locally. Uh-huh. And he's like, he's like, would you want to do an album? And I'm like, how you doing? Oh, my goodness. And that was like it was literally like a couple days after like that itself was I think I think it ca- it came out to like a ten thousand dollar project or something like that. Oh, my gosh. And yeah, like, I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. Like, I you know, it's not always so typical yeah. that like you know um stuff will just sort of fall in your lap in your lap like that 
You know, like I definitely got lucky on that mm-hmm. end. But all the hard work you put into it, it all led up to that and just the right timing. Yeah, and the truth is the guy that um, the guy that contacted me was also somebody who I had constantly, like, mm-hmm. been in touch with. I had done little music projects for them in the past. Like, it wasn't just someone who, who like, completely fell into my yeah. lap. It was somebody who, like, you know, somebody who knew I existed already and who I had, like, worked really hard to sort of stay top of mind with, yeah. you know, over the years. And it was just that they finally, like, sort of got their act together and decided to do like one big project. Yeah, and so now moving forward into the presence, into the presence, into the present, you now have the hillelcaps.com website and it looks like you have, I'm just looking at your services now, you're one man band slash DJ and you run the up top recording studio and you help people uh, with their orchestra. You, <laughs> That's pretty unique. Hey, so yeah, can you tell me a little bit about your services? Yeah, so for for the for the live gig type stuff, I do um, what they call a, a one man band, which is basically um, it's it's a funny thing. It doesn't exist in a lot of other places. Um, I f- I think the only other place than maybe like um, the New York New Jersey ish kind of area mm-hmm. that it exists, at least where I am, is uh, I know there are people like in India mm-hmm. <laughs> who uh, who do like the one man band thing. What it basically is is it's an arranger keyboard. Like, uh, you know, either t- typically either from Yamaha or Roland or uh, Korg or something like that. And it basically has pre, um, pre-created, like, uh, they call them styles, but they're basically just beats, yeah. you know, but, but along with sort of backing instruments, which you can either program yourself or, you know, use the, the factory installed ones. And it gives you the ability to basically play the chords of the song with one hand um, and any other, you know, melody-related stuff with the other hand. Um, and it, it, it basically is, you know, I wouldn't say it's the exact same thing as having like a full band, you know, behind you as a vocalist. Um, but it's pretty cool, you know, like it, it definitely does the trick. Um, and it's one of those things where, especially if you do that, where people still get like sort of a live feel because you're singing live, if you do that and you also DJ, then it means that, you know, no matter what style of music, uh, you know, the clients are looking for at their event, you're basically covered no matter what. Okay. Yeah. You know, meaning if it's something a little bit more like ballady that they would want, you know, like, I don't know, Sinatra ish, you know, so to speak, you know, that they would want someone to actually sing live, then you have that. Um, and if they need, you know, some music that they can really, you know, you know, break down to and really get crazy with, you know, that's when you typically pull out the, uh, you know, the DJ stuff. Okay, yeah. All right, that makes sense. And then Up Top Recording Studio? So that's, uh, funny enough, the, the name Up Top Studio. So, like, I'm based in a basement now, um, and so people are like, what's Up Top, Up Top, but, like, you're you're in the bottom, like, how does that work? So um, it turns out when I had that uh, digital Porta Studio back in Rhode Island, we had in, like, the dorm of the college, we had, like, um, the attic, which actually um, led out to, like, a roof, yeah. which was really cool and, like, super dangerous, and they definitely did not know that we were up there. <laughs> um, but we used to we used to keep our instruments up there, but at the time, um, like, a bunch of us also smoked, uh-huh. which, I mean, it happens to be, I, I haven't smoked in the last, like, uh, I don't even know, it's been, like, nine years, um, which, like, yeah, if you're a vocalist probably not a good idea to smoke you know just saying but um but back then anyway a bunch of us did and um whenever one guy was like going up for a cigarette because it was really you know to be honest for us it was really more social it was just a way to chill you know i don't i don't think anyone there was ever like you know addicted addicted you know um whenever somebody was going up for a cigarette you would go to the other guys that smoked and be like oh are you going up top ah yeah 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 
And so that was where we had all the instruments and where I had the Porta Studio set up. And so it just turned into Up Top Studios. So like even now, the name just kind of stuck. And it's just like a nice nod to like, you know, where yeah, it all started. I like that a lot. And now I'm looking at your other service, Orchestra, Acapella Singers. Oh, right, right. So... Yeah, so typically if somebody wants, uh, I would say 90% of the live gigs I'm doing is more this one-man band, uh, you know, DJ kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, if somebody does call me for, like, a wedding and they do want, you know, like a full, you know, five, seven-piece orchestra or something like that, then, like, at this point, like, I've been, you know, in that industry long enough to pretty much know all the same guys that everybody else is hiring. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of those things where if a guy's calling me up anyway, so then I'm pretty much just, you know, booking the guys that I would typically put on a gig like that and just, you know, like, you know, you it's just, a, yeah, yeah, just yeah. an extra way to... Yeah, like it, I, I wouldn't say it happens all that often, and it's not really something that I push too hard. Um, but it's just something that you know, if somebody's coming to my site and they decide that they might want an orchestra, then uh, you know, at, at least it's something they know I can help oh, them. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, and the same pretty much goes for like the acapella thing. You know, like sometimes uh, people want you know like. Um, you know, at their event, the truth is this also, it's not nearly as common, uh, but it does happen a little bit more around where I'm, where I'm based, where someone might want to make like a weekend event and have like, sort of like a group of acapella singers, very like, you know, glee kind of style, you know, where like they'll go from like table to table and do a whole bunch of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, do, you know, perform a whole bunch of, uh, you know, show tunes or things like that. Um, where like I've I've definitely put events together like that, um, you know. So it's just something, you know, just like it can't hurt, you know, you know, to put it there for, f yeah, like for the once in a while, you know. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's very unique. That's very creative. Yeah. And as an audio engineer, you always got to find ways to you know stick out and try to have a bunch of different sources of income to make you know your full time living as an audio engineer. Yeah. So that's that's always like one. That's actually one thing that I'm I'm like a really big. Uh, you know, like I, I speak a lot about, um, you know, whenever people are, are discussing this kind of stuff with me is that while I agree in the concept of niching down and, and I really do, um, I also think that some people out there will niche down before they even know what they do and don't enjoy. Oh, yeah, that's true. Meaning I think it's important, like, I think like a lot, I mean, a lot of things in life, but, you know, just, just uh, you know, to focus on like the business kind of stuff. When it comes to business, you know, especially audio, um, there's really like a buffet of stuff because there are some guys that can handle, you know, mentally doing a ridiculous amount of editing and, and, and even enjoy it. And there are some guys that just like to do arranging and some guys that just like to do mixing or mastering or tracking or whatever it is. But until you actually try out doing a bunch of those things, even if it's not like like if someone's nervous about offering their tracking services because they think it might suck, so then great, find a friend who's musical and do it for them for mm -hmm. free just to you know play around and see what happens. Um, but until you actually like play around a little bit and see you know how it's uh, you know and see how it how it feels for you, you know. Um, it's it's like I think it's important to like give everything a chance. No, that's true. When I first started my NCC audio, I had four huge things. I didn't think they were that big at the time. I was like, well, I like to um, what was it? I'll edit your podcast. I will do post production audio work for your video or film. I will mix and master your track, and I will record your music. But then each one of those aspects you can turn into a full-fledged business on its own. And so that's why at this point in my life, I just niche down to 
only podcast production and consultation if you go to my website. But I still have other people coming to me and asking to do uh, some mixing and mastering work. And I do have other friends who are creating videos and they'll send me their videos. So I'll still do the post-production work. So I'm still doing all the work that I think I like to do. I'm still trying to figure out what I like to do the best. But from a business aspect, I'm only advertising one at this moment. And once I perfect all those systems, I think I'll move on to the next one. That's awesome. Yeah, so I, I had that with, like, the the more live stuff where, like, um, you know, I was doing, you know, pr- pretty much all the stuff that I just mentioned. And at a certain point in time, like, I, I had a friend who was uh, – he's a trumpet mm-hmm. player. And I, I've pulled him in on a lot of recording sessions. And uh, – uh, he, there's an orchestra that he was kind of like representing. He was really doing like a lot of the gig booking for. And um, he reached out to me and said, well, you know, you have all the sound equipment from the gigs that you do. Like, would you do sound for an orchestra? And I'm like, yeah, okay. Like sa- sounds, you know, sounds like fun. And um, and uh, I, I did a couple jobs. And the truth is it was a lot of fun. And I enjoyed more than anything. I enjoyed like the engineering of it. Like I use a, uh, I use a digital mixer. So like if it's, um, if it's a job where I'm actually behind, you know, the keyboard or the, you know, or the the DJ controller or whatever it is, then I have like an iPad in front of me, you know, where I can control the mm-hmm. mixer with that. Um, but if I'm doing a job where I'm not actually like on the bandstand, so to speak, um, then I actually walk around the room and mix based off of what I'm hearing, which is like the coolest thing ever. You know, where like you literally be sitting at the back of the room and just, you know, and, and you know, um, playing around with the audio based off of what you're actually hearing yeah. in the room instead of like, you know, what you're hearing right next to the bandstand. And it's so, like that part was really cool. Um, but it turns out the whole like, you know, bringing equipment and setting it all up like that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so and so like that, that really like it, it's one of those things where like now if somebody contacts me for it, like I did it for a little while. And then I realized that, like, because of that, I really didn't enjoy it nearly as much. And to take the time to hire an assistant and have them do all the, you know, all the bringing, you know, bringing all the equipment and setting it up, like, it was just, it was taking, like, too much time to try and figure it all out. And so, for me, it was just, you know, like, now if somebody calls me for that, like, I really just offer it at, like, a higher price point than other people might. Yeah, that's a great idea. You know, if they want me, great. If they don't, I'm perfectly happy without, you know, not being the guy. No, that's also a really good thing about having a different avenues of audio. And if there's one you really don't like but you can still do, just upcharge it. And then, you know, all right, you're going to make some good money from it, even though you might not necessarily like it. 100%. All right. So if anyone's interested in hiring you to be the one-man band for their live event or to record some of their music... Uh, do you mainly, if you go to your website, it looks like you do a lot of Jewish events, right? That is true. Are you only niched down into like the, the Jewish, um, culture or will you help anyone out or how, how does that look? So, I mean, the truth is I've, you know, like really because of where I'm based, um, and just because of, you know, like the, the people I hang around with. So I, I end up working on a lot of like the more Jewish music kind of projects, um, that being said, I've also, you know, worked on tracks with everyone from like Nashville to Switzerland oh, cool. and like and Sweden and everywhere in between, you know, so like I, I like to try and keep things, you know, interesting. And so uh, and yeah, like I'm I'm absolutely cool. You know, I'm I'm down pretty much to work with just about anybody. Um, the only stuff that I really look for, you know, in terms of like who I who I want to work with, which that that might sound like a little bit, you know, uh, 
Like, you know, that makes sense. Like that might sound a little bit like conceited, but uh, but it is important to work with people that like you're actually going to like, you know, mesh really nicely with. Yeah, and you have the good they have the same values as you do and it's not going to be like yeah, awkward, 100% like <laughs> interaction. Right. So like the absolutely yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like the people that I really look for uh to work with are really just people who like it's really not even about how much talent mm-hmm. you have. I would gladly pick somebody who's less talented but with a great like positive mm-hmm. attitude than somebody who's super talented but has like a really just, you know, either you know, demanding personality or very or even even like a very like like you know, when you have someone who's like a bit of like a downer. Yeah. You know, like I like um, you know, like I I rem- there's there's one specific session that like sticks in my mind. This was like years ago where um I was doing some like choir recordings for a track and um the artist um basically contacted me like before we did it and said uh you know he has a friend of his who he wants to be like part of that session and like usually I don't I don't mind if somebody you know has a friend that they want to like join the choir so to speak you know assuming they're not you know tone deaf cuz that would be <laughs> that would be a little difficult but um but like uh, you know, it's just important that people come with like a positive attitude, and then we can sort of you know figure it out. So like once we were all together, and this guy you know had this artist had his friends come, every idea that we came up with, like you know with these kind of sessions, sometimes there are like choir lines that are scripted mm-hmm. a little bit, um, and sometimes they're like completely unscripted. Like we just listen through the track and see what happens, and and you know play around with some ideas. You know, and that way everyone can sort of play a part in, you know, shaping what's going to, you know, what's going to go there. But every idea that was brought up, this one, like, friend of the artist would be like, oh, that idea sucks. Uh. But, like, every idea that came up. And and at a certain point, like, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, you could say you don't like that idea. That's yeah. fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to agree with us. But to right away be like, oh, that idea sucks, that's a really, that's a really great way to, like, ruin a yeah. session. yeah. You know, and so like it's really important to like, you know, to like uh, take a deep breath and like come in with like a good attitude. You know, sometimes we have an off day, you know, which is perfectly cool. Like that happens. And I've I've actually had people that came into book sessions and then after like, you know, an hour or so of like trying to work on something, they literally turn to me and they're like, yeah, it's just not happening today. Like I, I wish mm-hmm. it was, but it's just not. And usually guys like that, like I know there are other engineers out there and obviously I guess this depends on, you know, how busy you are because, you know, there's a level of practicality involved in it also. But like there are definitely engineers who would say like, well, you know, you booked me for three hours, you have to pay for three hours, you know, like in my case, I would say 99.9% of the time, like I would just stop them there and, you know, bill them for the time we did and then just stop because mm. you're like no like you're not helping anybody at yeah. that point you're not even helping yourself you know like you yeah. know like you want the best performance out of them and they also want the best performance out yeah. of them so moving forward what does the future of Hillel Kaepernick look like what are like your visions your goals like what do you want this to turn into so the truth is um uh that's it's a great question um right now my next uh, big step is that uh, I've actually been on the lookout to like uh, to actually get like a house. Oh nice. Uh, yeah. which has been uh definitely like a long time coming. Um like I have been pretty much renting an apartment for the last like almost 9 years or something like that and it means that like everything that I've ever brought into the studio I had to make sure like it was semi portable, you know, and like I've definitely invested a little bit in just making the studio a little better just in terms of like fixing up the lighting down here and stuff which like I'm sure the next tenants will, you know, benefit from when I leave. Um but uh, it's one of those things where I really couldn't do that much because at the end of the day like I know one day I'm going to leave and then if I can't take it with me, 
you know, then that would that would be really rough. Um, so, uh, I mean, the truth is, well, you know, we'll see what happens. Everything's still, you know, and anything could still happen. But uh, I did actually get into contract on a house fairly recently, which wow, is pretty congratulations. cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah thanks. And um, assuming that works out, um, the goal is hopefully to take, um, they have a, a two-car garage and actually convert the entire thing into like a nice, a nice larger studio with a booth. Um, and, you know, like it's one of those things like, funny enough, like even though you have guys like, um, I mean, you have a bunch of, uh, the truth is even without naming names, you have a bunch of guys, you know, through LA and Nashville, like some of the big label mixers, you know, who have moved from commercial spaces to like more, you know, mm-hmm. home uh you know, more like home studio or project studio type of situations, yeah. um, which I actually think is awesome. Like I, that, that works out really well for me. I honestly wouldn't even want to rent a commercial space. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, that doesn't sound like fun to me at yeah. all. Um, and so uh, it's it's one of those funny things though that like when people say they're coming to a studio, especially if they're not familiar with it, it like it's it sounds a little silly to say it just because like we all know that like you know, looks are only so important, but the truth is when it comes to client look to clients, looks are very important. And so like, I'm in like a project studio where like, I mean, I don't have a vocal booth, which the truth is, I mean, you can go through the argument about whether or not you need one. The short version is if the stuff you're making sounds great, it either sounds good or it doesn't, you know, regardless of whether or not you had a booth. So like where I am now, I don't have a booth, but it's actually happened a couple of times where like people will come down to the studio and they'll be like, oh, so is that booth behind, like, the curtain in the back? And I'm like, no, that's a bookshelf. <laughs> that's that's not the booth. You're going to stand oh, right here. Like, that's how that's yeah. going to. And, yeah, like, yeah. you know, like, on, on one end, you feel, like, a little ridiculous, like, telling them that. But on the other end, like, at the end of the day, it really is, like, if it sounds good, it is good. You know? Like, that really is what's important. Um, and, you know... You know, God knows I've I've certainly put out enough projects where, you know, every, you know, as far as I'm concerned anyway, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but like where everything sounded awesome and it was all done, you know, in a, in, you know, more of a project studio situation. Um, but having the ability to build out something that, you know, looks a little nicer and feels yeah. a little bit nicer, you know, and has a little bit more room to move. Um, that's definitely a big, uh, you know, that, that'll definitely be a big thing for myself and for the clients. Yeah. Well, I wish you the best of luck on that. That's super exciting for that next big move in your life. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story. And I hope this helps someone who's listening who wants to get into audio engineering who just wants to hear like a real life story of someone who's actually in the thick of it because I mean that's what I'm trying to do also I'm trying to like figure out like what's my next step what are other people doing how are you actually making a living you know being an audio engineer and so if you if anyone's out there is listening who's near Monsey, New York and wants to hire Hillel for his services check him out at hillelcaps.com and anything else you want to promote or say? I think that pretty much covers everything. I think the if if you had to like, you know, if you had to sign off with one thing, I would say the biggest thing is you can never ever stop pushing. Um like never ever ever it's really like you really got to keep pushing. Um you got to try new things. You know, it could be you'll find that, you know, either remote recording or mixing or or tracking or mm-hmm. mastering or, you know, is the thing that you're actually going to enjoy more than what you might already be doing now in audio. Um, and, uh, yeah, other than those two, I think that's, I I think that probably covers, you know, just about everything. That's awesome. Well, thank you again to everyone listening. Please subscribe. I have some more exciting interviews coming up, so it's going to be great. All righty, everyone. Peace out.